0: Hello, I'm Jamie Bricker,
1: and I'm Carol Bricker,
0: and you're listening to Bricker
1: by Bricker, a podcast to support parents with building productive partnerships between home and school.
0: And throughout many of our podcasts, we have discussed different aspects of what parents can do to really help support their child's learning when the child's at home. Well, of course, with the current pandemic, everyone's really been at home for an extended period of time. And related to that is the fact that the parent's role has really changed when it comes to their child's education. Because as you know, Carol, rather than simply being an important ongoing support, now the parent is really thrust in the role of, in some cases, doing direct instruction. Now, we talked a lot about the new reality, or as we like to call it, I guess across our society, this new educational normal. Uh, We really discussed that in quite a bit of depth during our two April podcasts.
1: You're right, and, and as we discussed, there's some real advantages to having your child learn at home. And really when we look at modern education, it really is all about allowing students to to make that connection between what they're they're doing to the real world. So really making that learning to be very, very authentic and when we look at it you know what could be more authentic than learning at home and so to kind of tie into this learn at home or you know schooling at home kind of premise is today we're really going to look at that project based learning which is you know becoming more and more common in in various classrooms and kids are exposed to it more and more but you know through project based learning it really ties into student interest and inquiry and and making those connections to the real world so it would really be a great approach to use when we're at home and making that uh, that learning very authentic for our kids
0: well so true carol i mean more than in any other place really in any child's life, the home is just loaded with kind of authentic project possibilities just waiting to really get explored. And to help us guide us through this exploration, we are very fortunate to have the opportunity today to discuss project-based learning with Heather Buzkirk. And she is an instructional methods advisor for kindergarten all the way to grade 12. And she's based in Albany, New York. Now, Heather has extensive knowledge and experience supporting teachers with implementing project-based learning opportunities in their classrooms. So, a big welcome to Heather.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, it's great, and, and uh, glad to hear, hear from, from your perspective. We have talked a bit about project-based learning in a previous podcast, but great to have someone with more experience. And But before we start today's discussion... Uh, Heather, can you maybe give our listening audience a little bit of background information about yourself and the work that you've been doing with
2: project-based learning? Absolutely. Um, my my foray into project-based learning began in my own classroom. Um, I began my career as a high school physics teacher here in upstate New York. Um, you know, working in a small, very traditional school district, and just finding that. I needed to find better ways to connect students with the difficult and sometimes abstract content that was in my physics curriculum. And I started connecting with colleagues who wanted similar things um, at all places in in the spectrum of education and started uh, learning more, educating myself, and later became Um, a professional developer and put on workshops for teachers in the region for project-based learning and um, did some instructional coaching where I worked one-on-one in a school with all teachers. It was a wall-to-wall project-based high school where where that was primarily the approach we took for all learning. Um, And then now I work for K-12 Incorporated where I'm bringing project-based learning, um, past just the traditional classrooms, but also in now into virtual classrooms to support students regardless of their geographic area and provide those experiences for them to really engage deeply um, in what PBL has to offer.
1: Well, that's kind of interesting, bringing it into the to the virtual classroom. And is that more so like what we would refer to as like online learning opportunities for kids is it something that they would do in extension to what they're already doing during the school day or or would it be kind of in isolation that maybe kids who who geographically just aren't able to access that type of programming
2: Yes, to, to both of those, but primarily the second group where um, it's the f- we uh, support full time online schools from kindergarten all the way up through 12th grade throughout the country and even internationally, um, where the students um, attend school virtually. And there's so many reasons that students may and families might make this choice. Um, some of it might be because of geographic limitations. Um, Particularly in the U.S., your zip code really determines what sort of educational opportunities you have. Um, But also, we serve a lot of students who may be medically fragile um, and need the flexibility of an online schooling experience or students who um, are pursuing music careers or athletic careers and need the flexibility. Um, And students who've had just really... um, negative experiences in traditional schools, maybe they were bullied, maybe um, they had other challenges that made a traditional school just not fit for them.
0: Well, Heather, I was intrigued by your um, phrase, better ways to connect. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, to me, that's uh, just the absolute essence of sustainable learning and meaningful teaching. Um, But would one of your key words there be relevance to the student, I take it?
2: Oh my goodness! I was um, blown away a few years ago. I was reading some research on education just for my own practice, and I stumbled upon um, some research around relevance as the top motivator for students. And before that, I had always assumed it was interest. And um, there's there's a pretty good body of research that shows that relevance actually comes out on top. And when students think that work they're doing is meaningful, um, for them or for people they know, um, either now or in the immediate future, that is work that students are going to dig into. And when you can get that level of buy-in and ownership over their learning, then you can get students to make much bigger learning gains.
0: I think you raise an excellent point that it's got to be seen through the learner's lens. Because as my time as a school administrator, I've gone into you know loads of classrooms and some of them had you know, the kids working on something, which was really a a real quality lesson with some real meaningful meat on the bone, so to speak. And yet you could clearly tell it had not connected with the students. Like it just was not relevant to them. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. I think early in my career, I gave a lot of very brilliant and entertaining lectures in physics um, that were brilliant and entertaining to one person in that room. (laughs) And that (laughs) that was, (laughs) that was me. <laughs> and um really learning there. yeah, what it takes to make a truly uh student-centric, student-centered learning experience and to put the learner and really all learners um at the center of every decision that I make, uh really was part of my shift to project-based learning. Um and some of the work we I've done um uh, some school design work, we decided we had one metric for our school, and that was, is this good for kids? Mm-hmm. Yes or no? <laughs> and that was every decision we made. We ran it through that question first.
0: Talk about the essential question. Yes. Uh, rather, in our last few podcasts, we've been discussing inquiry learning. And as we're discussing project-based learning, it certainly some commonalities are arising. Could you kind of compare and contrast project-based mm-hmm. to inquiry?
2: Oh, be still my science teacher heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, inquiry is about exploring the world around us. And, you know, that's one of the biggest tenets of science for all, all ages of students, but I know that inquiry has a place in um, all other ways of knowing as well. And inquiry is part of the process in project-based learning. Um, the way I view project-based learning is that you really launch the learning experience with the project. Um, I don't believe in pre-teaching and doing the project at the end as dessert, but the project becomes, it replaces the instructional unit. Mm -hmm. Um, So you launch students into an interesting challenge or problem that makes them question. And if you can get students asking questions um, of the challenge and of themselves and of the world around them, then you've already made it through the biggest hurdle with project-based learning. And then much of the process of um, facilitating that learning or supporting that learning is about how do you get students to ask more and better questions? And then how do you help students answer those questions? And so inquiry learning, you know, has a place I would nest it right inside project based learning.
1: So, so then if we, we look at this project-based learning and we look at, you know, your, your supporting teachers and students from K to 12, do you consider that it's equally beneficial for students of all grades? And then also how do we take into account the varying ability levels of students?
0: Because something, you know, for years we've, we've all experienced in education is, uh, Colleagues and so on saying, "Well, this student or that student, he or she's just not ready." And in this context, they're just not ready to get launched. Heather, like, what do you do?
2: Right. Um, well, then it's your job to get them ready. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I mean, I I firmly believe that project based learning has a place for all learners. It's not a single instructional approach. It, it's a it makes use of all the best things we know about teaching and about learners. And so it may look different for different learners. Uh, You may need to have more structured and more supported activities for some learners than others. And that may be based on age, that may be based on experience with PBL, that may be um, based on the teacher's experience with with PBL. Um, So you really have to always design uh, very empathetically with that learner in mind. And so younger children, you know, they They love challenges, they love play. And to me, project-based learning um, is play. Uh, It's an act of storytelling, which is kind of was a weird shift for me as a physics teacher to think of myself as a storyteller. But how do I put my student as the hero in their own story? And that might mean that they take on a new role. Um, That might mean that they are pretending to be an engineer. To solve a problem. That might mean that they're pretending to be a designer. That might mean that they're pretending to be a musician, depending on what the project is. And as they they pretend and play and assume that role, it really invites students to maybe take some risks that they wouldn't be comfortable in the hat that is themselves um, and might help them stretch a little bit. It also gets them a chance to try on a career um if you're you're doing some exploration on careers at any grade level of course that they get to kind of think about you know how does that person in that career make decisions what kind of decisions do they have to make what do they have to know what do they have to do what does their work feel like and as they they work and play it's my job as the teacher to facilitate that play when they are running up against whatever the central conflict is in that story I've got to help them find a way out of it. So whether it's providing them access to new information or helping them learn and practice a new skill um, or helping them really dig into and question and understanding that they held dear previously, that's my job is to help them um, come out on top every time in the story.
1: Well, I, I like the way that you explained find a way to help them get out of it it wasn't that you were giving them the answer. It was that you were providing options or various ways that they could find their own answer. So I, I, I really liked how you worded that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think maybe, you know, my, my first teacher hero was, you know, Socrates (laughs) first. And um, I've always believed in a bit of Socratic method in um, meaning that responding to students' questions with my own questions. Uh, to the point my my students used to tease me for this, you know, they they would know, like if they're going to ask a question, I'm not going to give them the short, easy answer, but I'm going to ask, you know, I'm first going to say, well, what, what, what can we do about that and where might we go next? And what resources do we have available? Have we read about that this week?
0: Do you think? Well, Heather, excuse me. Project-based learning to me is, is the, really the pinnacle of authentic learning. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but as i'm kind of spinning around in my mind here the whole authenticity piece i'm i'm kind of i'd like some clarity please in terms of the degree of autonomy mm. students would have in choosing the, the theme or topic of their given project like you talk about the teacher's role as helping them kind of develop their story but but who's creating the narrative to begin with and does that kind of amount of student autonomy in choosing the the topic does that vary From the, you know, from the kindergarten kids all the way up to your high school kids, I'm sure there's a a big difference.
2: Yeah, I don't know that the varying happens by age so much as it happens by what you're you're teaching, what your curriculum is that you're working with. Um, Because at the end of the day, as a classroom teacher, I'm responsible for a set of standards or a curriculum um, that I need to help students um, learn. And so it's not a complete free-for-all. So a lot of times I'm framing a challenge and then finding ways to give students voice and choice within that scenario. So I might set it up.
0: Excuse me, but, the, but the curriculum is providing obviously the framework.
2: Right. Well, the curriculum is what inspires um, the project. So when I come up with a project or plan out a project, the first place I always start is the standards, the learning standards. And, I try to think through where do these standards play in the real world? Um, you know, they, they didn't just originate on the page. They came from somewhere. Why, why is this what we value for our, our learners right now at this age? Why do they need to know this? Who uses this? Who does this? Um, and then try and come up with a way to build out a project that's fun and engaging and at least feels authentic. Um, often, often you may develop um, scenarios. For projects where they might be doing work for you know a fictitious client, um, you know if they're they're doing some early design work, or you know maybe it's um, someone in the school, you know they're they're redesigning a flyer for the um, school open house event or something of that nature. Um, but just to kind of frame it out and to really guide them where they need to go, uh, I think about breadcrumbing. Like Hans, the Hansel and Gretel story, like placing breadcrumbs that the students are going to have to pick up. That's going to lead them to where they need to go without. Oh, great thinking.
0: analogy. That's a great analogy.
2: Yeah, I can't. I can't take responsibility. I, I, that's one that I've heard many times in kind of the PBL circles, but it's one that's um, really evocative for me and really um, hits home when yeah. I think about how I'm going to plan and design learning
0: well and of course we can all relate to it so easily that that's i love that but but thank you very much for clarifying that heather because i just wanted to make sure that parents weren't were kind of clear that the 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 theme or topic for the given projects were obviously like selected from within parameters
2: mm-hmm. yeah there's kind of a misconception that project based learning is a free for all that you yeah. Hope that students are just going to figure it out. I mean, that's a misconception with inquiry learning, I believe as well. Um, yes. It's, I think, in smoke and mirrors sometimes <laughs> that you voice student voice and choice is really important, but sometimes the illusion of voice and choice is just as useful. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> giving student forced, choic- forced choices as they work through um, may really help them stay engaged and take ownership, but also get them where you need to go. Um, As the mom of a kindergartner and a younger toddler, it's the uh, choice of, do you want to put on your pajamas first or brush your teeth first? Um, (laughs) It's going to be much less of a battle with either of them if I ask them that than telling them which to do first. But at the end of the day, they're still getting ready for bed the way I need them to. And so... um, you know, and asking, finding the ways that students might make choices about how they share their information. If they're um, doing a project or do they want to be creating a presentation or a skit? Do they want to create um, a piece of art for this? If it's appropriate, then I try to give them choices that way too.
1: No, no. that And that's great. So, you know you you alluded to the the misconception of of it being a free for all so when we look at the classroom and what's happening in the classroom you know what are the different things that the teacher is doing during the the learning time the the during the project and you know are there opportunities and times where they the teachers actually engaged in some explicit teaching of material
2: yeah in project-based learning all the instruction is in service to what do students need to know in that project um so um an example i like from my own uh experience was uh, to learn about sound and waves and physics i had my students design and build their own musical instruments And Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I gave them that challenge and um, they needed to know if they were going to make a guitar, where to put the frets for the guitar, or if they were going to make a little flute or recorder, where they were going to drill the holes. And so once I kind of got them to identify that question, then I could say, okay, well, you know, here's a reading Or let me give you a quick little lesson to talk about the wave equation. And here's some practice with it so that you know you know what you're doing before you make those final calculations and start drilling holes in something. Um, So my role is really that facilitator and coach of the learning in project-based learning. Um, A lot of the stuff I would do is the same good educational stuff I would do in a traditional approach to learning, but it's in response now to that need to know.
0: I think it's really interesting how, if I'm taking it correctly, the student would begin working on a task, and then, from what you're saying, if an an appropriate equation or algorithm was obviously Mm -hmm. going to facilitate their learning, at that point, it would then be introduced to them, and obviously be Mm -hmm. extremely relevant and meaningful, rather than, of course, the decades-old tradition of, you know, start with the algorithm and go from there, (laughs) Yes, absolutely.
2: Uh, If I could get students to ask me to teach them an equation or to um, provide a lab experience, uh, like an experiment for them, then I knew I had really done a nice job on my breadcrumbing.
0: Well done.
2: (laughs) That that was always a big win. Yes.
1: And so, how, as a teacher, then are you monitoring where the students are, either as a group, small group, individually? as they're working through their, their project.
2: Yes. To all those things. Um, Formative assessment is uh, one of the most important tools for a uh, PBL teacher. Um, These might be simple checks for understanding. I mean, there's absolutely a place in PBL for, for little quizzes to see, you know, did students really understand that new term and are they able to use that new skill? Um, But also in project-based learning, we use bigger benchmarks. So if the, I'm going to draw an analogy here. If the project is building a house, you don't wait until the house is built to make sure that it's safe Mm -hmm. for people to occupy it. Hopefully not. not. Although
1: in our news the other day, we did have a house that toppled over mid-construction in the wind. So (laughs) so maybe they were waiting till the end.
2: So... Instead, you know, there's all these places along the way, there's a blueprint that needs to be approved of and and submitted to, you know, some authority, there's a um, structural inspection, there's a wiring inspection, there's all sorts of inspections and checks. Mm -hmm. So if students are creating a project, we think about what are the ways to build in those benchmarks. Um, So let's say our students are creating a video, uh, maybe a, a public service announcement video. Well, maybe an early benchmark might be um, just a concept um, that they pitch to their teacher. Or maybe it's an outline and then maybe a storyboard and then a draft of the script. And then, you know, maybe a draft cut before they get to their final cut. Um, Those would all be benchmarks to check to make sure students are getting there. I never want to be surprised at a final presentation of a project as to who's there and who's not. I I want to know the progress my students have been making the entire way. We've
1: really had a a great conversation with Heather about project-based learning. Unfortunately, we're having to divide it into two different podcasts just because of the quantity of great information that she was able to share with us. And uh, so we really appreciate her time that she spent for the first podcast, and we'll carry on that conversation uh, in our next podcast.
0: Oh, absolutely. She had loads of good insights. And, you know, Carol, Heather, I think, really touched on what I would consider the essence of project-based learning when she stressed that these projects can look very different, you know, depending on some key factors, like the age of the students involved, uh, his or her interests, and the ability level of a particular student. And I thought that was
1: really great when we looked at how we could differentiate it based on all of those factors.
0: No, No question, but I think it's really important for both educators and parents alike to always keep that in mind.
1: So true. And when we're speaking of parents, there's lots of different projects parents can be involved with both at home and at school. And I really like that Heather mentioned the need for kids to have the opportunity to stretch a little bit and take some risks with new learning and
0: new experiences. Oh, I love that. I love that stretching concept. And let's face it, parents can be huge supporters and a huge part of that kind of stretching process because obviously, you know, as, as we all learn in the gym, you don't just take one quick stretch. No. At our age, that can be very painful. <laughs> so so stretching with your kids in all seriousness, that's a lifelong, mm-hmm. you know, pattern for them, which parents, of course, need to model and support. And I loved when Heather talked about Hansel and Gretel and, of course, you know, laying the breadcrumbs. And it's so true that teachers and parents have to routinely give kids breadcrumbs to follow. And yet, Carol, I I know you'd agree, it's a fine line. Yes, we need breadcrumbs. However, kids also need the opportunities to find their own way.
1: Oh, certainly, because how are they going to problem solve when they're older if we don't allow them to problem solve with support when they're younger? But when I looked at the breadcrumbs, I took it that they were giving our kids options rather than a specific path that the adult has decided is the best one to follow. And that the breadcrumbs really symbolized for me the need for kids to always have support and guidance but not always a laid-on plan or a certain way to do things, which really kind of reminds me of those those two phrases that we hear so often, the helicopter parent and the snowplow parent.
0: Well, exactly. It's not about clearing their path. It's mm-hmm. encouraging them to find their own path.
1: Well, and I came across this really great comic that, uh, you know, the guy's sitting there and he's reading the paper and he says, you know, This article says snowplow parents aggressively clear a path for their children's success. And then the other guy says to him, the problem is snowplows leave a dangerous, slippery road behind. Well said. And, you know, and and that's something we have to really be cognizant of is when we are clearing the path for our kids, what are we leaving behind for them? And it's... We're not giving them those skills with resiliency and problem-solving and risk-taking.
0: Well, as you know, Carol, too, that clearing the path, of course, also applies very much so to conversations. Mm. And when your kids, regardless of their age, if they're asking you questions, it's so easy. We're all kind of strapped for time. It's so easy for the adult, teacher, parent, whomever, to just simply give them the answer. But as Heather stressed, project-based learning is all about students having the opportunity to make decisions and have choices mm-hmm.
1: and of course a big part of making decisions is learning to live with the consequences of your decision and that is that very important life skill so heather really shared many interesting aspects of project-based learning and we'll certainly continue that discussion we had with her in our next podcast
0: as always if our listeners have any questions. They can email us at BrickerbyBricker Bricker at gmail.com or contact us through our website at BrickerbyBricker.com.
1: And we really encourage our listeners to share our podcast with other families they think might be interested and a reminder to follow us on Voice Ed Radio or any of our other platforms such as iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast.
0: And we look forward to connecting with you next time on Bricker
1: by Bricker i